Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today on CityCast Philly, producer Abby Fritz and I are here at Lemon Hill. It's hot, humid, and full of greenery. I know this part of Fairmount Park as a place to have cookouts, but it's also a great spot to find edible plants. We're here with the creator behind a growing foraging group in Philly, who also explains some of its limitations in the city. It's Tuesday, August 1st. I'm Trinanery, and here's what Philly's talking about. Lynn Landis, you're the creator of Wild Foodies of Philly, a group that educates people on the edible plants we can find in the city. Lynn, you have been a forager for quite some time now, the last decade. Can you just explain to me what does it mean to be a forager? Like, what is foraging? Foraging is looking for wild plants that you can eat for food, yes, and for fiber and for medicine and other things as well. We mainly talk about food, but there's all kinds of things that these wild plants can do. Okay, Lynn, so tell me about the tours that you all take with wild foodies. Where's the best spots, the best places in the city to find these edible plants? Well, we're really at the best spot, which is Lemon Hill. Often I start my tours outside of the Cosmic Cafe. We cross the street, go up the steps, go along the ridge, into the woods, and then come up in front of uh, Lemon Hill. And all along the way, you see all kinds of wild edibles. But there are other places as well. Any park in the city will, will have several wild edible plants. But I have to say that the institution that's done a lot for foraging is Aubrey Arboretum. And they've been very supportive. They teach classes on this. And, you know, we go there a couple times a year to forage, do educational tours in their area. Pennypack Park is great. You know, just Wissahickon, we just did that last weekend. And we do the tours in the good weather. So basically, most of them are between, you know, end of April and beginning of November when the weather's nice. So Lynn, you don't, you could be a beginner, you don't have to be an expert to forage in your group, right? <laughs> well, yes, and, and we do encourage people if they just want to use, we have a meetup where we have over 6,600 members, and we encourage people if they want to use the meetup just to get together and, and do a collaborative tour. What we say is the best way to get started is get an app that identifies plants And then, so you take your picture, you get your ID, then you go over to PFAF, and that's Plants for a Future, pfaf.org, and that will give you the plant uses. They're like the gold standard for plant uses. It's a UK-based organization with a global reach in terms of inventorying 
wild plants and their uses. So, Lynn, on our walk up to the top of Lemon Hill, I didn't realize there's such a large diversity of plants. Let's go over some of these plants. You mentioned a plantain. I'm thinking from the banana family. Right, right, right. <laughs> but that's not quite what I saw. No, it's it, the, the Latin is called plantago. No, I try to stay away from Latin yeah. um, and I try to use common names so the plantain can be very confusing. But it is what you would consider your, your most common yard weed. That is really, really the world's number one medicinal herb. People have no idea how important, versatile, and abundant that plant is, that we should know that plant inside and out. And particularly, it's antibacterial, astringent. If you have any kind of wound outside or inside, it dries and draws out the infection. And I have a bunch of uh, scientific studies on that plant profile page uh, on plantain. So this isn't just uh, folklore. These are scientific studies. Even for radiation poisoning, um, there's a study that it helps remediate that. That said, you want to go slow with it. You want to go very uh, carefully with it. And it doesn't handle everything. There are some skin conditions that uh, need another approach. But it helps so many other things. It should be the number one first aid Uh, herb that people go to. Now, can you tell me more about that orange berry that we saw? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The paper mulberry. Yes. Now, that is a very aggressive non-native. And it was hidden in a bunch of leaves. Yes. And you also described the the branches kind of looking like a giraffe. Well, the trunk of the tree, when it's young, it looks like a giraffe's neck. It's mottled like that, you know, the different, the darks and lights. Spotty. Um, yes. But, but uh, paper mulberry is related to the fig. The fruit is round the size of a ping pong ball, and it's as if you took a little lemon or orange and turned it inside out. Those juicy segments are on the outside with a soft seed in the middle with a little black seed at the uh, top of each juicy segment. And the segments are like a hot orange red. So the whole, it, it's like a, it almost looks like a Christmas decoration. Um, and people look at it as I did when I first saw it and thought, oh, that couldn't possibly be edible. And yet it is. And it's very sweet and delicious and juicy. So you can take it and just squeeze the juice out of it into a container, or you can put it in a container of water to preserve it a bit more, uh, or you can eat it on the spot, which is mostly what people do. It comes into fruit, well, it's coming into fruit now, which is a little early, uh, but it really does its main fruiting. It's supposed to fruit in October. So you'll get some fruit from now until October off of that tree. And it's called paper mulberry because you can use the bark for fiber and uh, fabric and things like that. But there's some limitations to foraging, right? And what I know is that it's illegal to forage on city property in Philly? Yes, pretty much. They don't mind if you pluck a plantain leaf or dandelion leaf, something like that. They're not going to mind that. But 
in general, they have to put that in the rule book that that you cannot forge because otherwise people are going to take advantage and you're going to have little pock marks all over the uh, city parks. And then you're also going to have maybe people stripping bushes of all the uh, fruit, things like that. But there are uh, some other concerns. And one is when you go to forage, you're always concerned about the, the state of the soil. Has the area been sprayed and that sort of thing? And in the city of Philadelphia... Sprayed with like what? Pesticides? Pesticides, okay. yes. So in the city of Philadelphia, although city council passed a law, the Healthy Outdoor Spaces, Public Spaces Act, to prevent that, the administration has allowed it to continue. Now, pesticides um, being sprayed on wild plants and trees... Um, what's the justification behind that? Well, there really is none, except that they don't want to manually do it. It's not like they're going after one specific kind of plant. They're just doing it in lieu of manually cutting. So pesticides like stop growth or like yes. keeps insects away? Well, this is the funny thing is when you when you talk about pesticides, they're really talking about herbicides as well. So mm-hmm. when I say pesticides, it includes herbicides. To be fair, they've been mainly doing it along Kelly Drive and Martin Luther King Drive or West River Drive. And so they're, they're not spraying the lawns uh, for the most part. It's just up against um, the tree line, unfortunately. So, you know, that's, that's a concern. Interesting. Lynn, what are some plants that we should maybe avoid? Yeah, so when it comes to cautions, don't put anything into your mouth that you haven't identified. You know, so you want to logical. <laughs> yeah, we we say no and go slow. Okay. So once you see something, you've identified it, and you want to try it, and you've never eaten it before, take a little nibble. Some people might even want to rub that plant or that leaf, let's just say, on the back of their ear or under their chin. You know, really go slow. What does take, that do? Um, because these are sensitive areas, and if mm. you're allergic to it, you you might have you know you'll react react right. Okay. But. When you go to eat it, you might eat a little bit of it and wait a day. This is why I ask people not to eat anything on tours. Uh, But yes, there are some plants that you have to be aware of. Poison ivy, for one, you want to be able to recognize. Stinging nettle is another. It's a very nutritious plant, but you don't want to be stung by it, Mm. (laughs) which I was the other day. (laughs) And I got my plantain out and rubbed on it all over my legs and the sting went away within a few minutes. So that was good. Right. Yeah, so there's a poison hemlock, which is at its younger stages can look like a wild carrot and other other plants. Mm. Uh, you don't want to even really touch that plant. So you, you need to know the few plants that there are some concerns about. And we do have a page on that. Okay, so check out the website. Yes, the website is packed with information. I've put up over 240 plant profiles uh, to help people. Uh, it's important to do your own due diligence. Don't trust anybody. Just, you know, check uh, several sources. Now, going back real quick, you know, you mentioned some of the best spots in the city, and they tend to be in Fairmount Park. But what about within our neighborhood blocks? Are there edible plants within sidewalks in our alleys? Oh, yes. They're everywhere. They're absolutely everywhere. And sometimes an abandoned lot is the best place to go. Now, that said, those plants might be contaminated 
because that abandoned lot might have been where a house was and there could be lead paint chips and things like that in the soil. So I I do want to caution on that. But uh, I've pulled plants out of the sidewalk just recently, a bunch of purslane, which I love. I just pull it out of the sidewalk, put it in a pot, cut it back and wait for new growth. And what does that look like? A purslane is a succulent. It looks, uh, it, it's a juicy, rubbery looking plant. It's high in uh, omega-3 uh, fatty acids, which it makes it very unusual. Uh, it's very popular in the Mediterranean area. And, you know, has in, in nature has little yellow flowers, but it gives a crunchiness to a salad. So if you want to have a salad, purslane, wild violet, Asiatic dayflower, there's all kinds of plants you could add to a salad. Wood sorrel is a, a popular thing. Also, the wild strawberries you see in the lawn that are growing, right. um, you know, in like little viney, red, little, yeah, the little teeny berries. little red, you know, <laughs> that, that don't taste like much, but they give a crunchy texture to the salad, which is what you're going for. So, you know, all kinds of things. And we do have a page on that called Menu Ideas. How special is Philly when it comes to foraging? Well, it's, it's great. And, and what makes it special is because um, we have Bartram's garden. John Bartram, he was appointed by the king, King George. And he had a, a really big interest in um, not only collecting plants, but these plants went both ways. Some plants in the U.S. or in America or in the colonies went to other countries, and we, we received plants in return. So people talk about Lemon Hill. Lemon Hill has lemon bushes on it from Asia, and those came during the colonial times. So this area, because of, uh, it's so old, the city's so old, and many people took a really active interest in, you know, in plants from day one, you've got plants from all over the world here. And that is what you'll find in a lot of cities. But you can go to you know, you can go out to the suburbs and you real, really will not see all of this. That was Lynn Landis, forager and creator of Wild Foodies of Philly. Thank you so much for showing us all of these cool plants today on CityCast Philly. You're very welcome. To learn more about Wild Foodies of Philly, check out their website. We'll have a link in our show notes. And here's what else Philly's talking about. Duncan is set to give out free coffee and breakfast wraps to anyone who donates blood this month. Philly Voice reports the Coffee and Donuts Company is giving out vouchers to the first 25,000 people who donate blood. Head over to the Red Cross Donation Center at 700 Spring Garden Street today. This promotion runs through September. And the Philadelphia Eagles are bringing back their iconic Kelly Green jerseys, a color the team hasn't worn since the 90s. The birds will sport their new alternative uniforms for games on October 22nd and November 26th. On Monday, the Philadelphia Inquirer reported that fans lined up early outside the link to buy new Kelly Green gear. Go birds! You can check out the Hey Philly newsletter for more Philly news. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. If you enjoyed this episode about foraging in the city, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and hit that subscribe button. Be sure to sign up for our morning newsletter too. It's called Hey Philly. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.
You have a lovely voice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>